Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our podcast is... That's me. I am uh, Brian Nye. I'm the graphic designer here at Northwest. Welcome, Welcome. Brian. <laughs> Hello. Really good to have you here, uh, especially since I've spent 40 hundred hours in your office here recently <laughs> doing projects, um, specifically the, trying to get that placement report pushed out. I know. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it will be. So as a graphic designer, you know, it seems kind of intuitive. People like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what a graphic designer does. But can you talk us through what you do as a graphic designer? I have an art degree. For one, uh, it, it's, it's in film, which is kind of weird. But the graphic designer here, uh, and this is most places too, it's not always about the art. It's, it's about getting the information that your company wants to get across into a pleasing way. So I, I work a lot with uh, Excel and, and different programs you wouldn't think that you would use as a graphic designer. Uh, but there's also a lot of art elements and designing elements. And so uh, all the like brochures that we print, even like web stuff, I will design stuff for that. Social media things, I'll design those. So it, it runs a gambit of Northwest marketing material. Typically, what kind of audiences are you trying to reach with those marketing materials? Is it for incoming potential students? Is it for alumni? Is it kind of everything? Kind of everything. Uh, we started focusing more on admissions. And so uh, a lot of incoming students and incoming students' parents too, because the, the student's just not coming. You want the parent to, you know, feel comfortable with your university too. So, so you have a degree in film. Tell, yeah. tell us about that. <laughs> I have a BA in uh, film and video with a concentration in traditional animation. That's, that's the whole, <laughs> it fits on my little degree plaque, not very well. You know, the printed certificate. <laughs> I went to Columbia College, Chicago, man, what year? Probably 2002. And it is known as the largest private art school in the US, or it was at the time. I don't know if it still is now. Um, I went there for, for animation. And um, starting there, uh, film students and animation students are all together for the first like semester, first year. And so we're all learning film and how to talk and film. And if anybody knows that stuff, we use the Bolex where you like are cranking away to, to film things and no audio and then slowly learning audio and all that fun stuff. And then the second year we, we split up into film and, or people and drawings. <laughs> so film and animation, and then animation even split up further into 3d and 2d. And so my path was to go on the 2d side I've always drawn and, and like to draw stuff. And so that just kind of led that way. So that's why you chose, how did you, I'm, I'm even going to go back further. So you always like to draw stuff as a kid. What led you to Columbia college? I I'm always interested in how people find their path. It was such a path. And um, anybody who lives in a small town has been told that you'll make no money with art. So don't get an art degree, go for finance or something, which I probably should have done. That would have been awesome, but <laughs> it's just not what I want to do. And it wasn't my passion. So um, 
I graduated high school from Maryville here. I'm a spoof hound. Went to Southwest Missouri State afterwards to go to college. And I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. My degree was in business, business and art. And uh, went there for three years and really wasn't finding my path, finding what I really wanted to do. Uh, so I moved back to Kansas City where uh, my family was living at the time after I graduated. My family left Maryville and um, got jobs there and just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, I was a manager at Planet Sub. Anybody's heard of Planet Oh, yeah, we have Planet Sub here. <laughs> I love Planet Sub. Uh, and then I worked at a steel company uh, filing purchase orders. And it was boring, but it paid the bills at the time. I had a friend who was going to Chicago. She was going to um, go for theater. And she's like, you know, you, you really love art and you really love animation and you should go. And there's other schools there. So I went to Chicago and looked at a few schools and decided on Columbia College. And that's how I got there. So what did you, okay, so right, we're working on the placement report where we are investigating where all of the grads go immediately following graduation, right? So what did you do after you graduated? Did you graduate? You graduated. You have it on your diploma, right? Yep. 2006, May of 2006, I graduated. Between May and July, I sold all my stuff and moved out to LA. I got there July 3rd and um, I was going there to, um, animation in the US is really Los Angeles, Atlanta now a little bit. There's some in Texas. Uh, Chicago at the time only had a commercial studio that did Lucky, Lucky Charms commercials. So anytime you see the Lucky Charms commercials, it's done at Calabash in Chicago. But the bulk of the jobs were Los Angeles. And so I decided to move out there right away. Lived there for about 10 years. It was 2006 to 2015. And um, the show I was working on Oh, there's a lot of stuff I'm skipping in LA about working in reality TV shows and doing all that fun stuff. But I finally got a job in animation. Uh, and the company I worked for uh, does Bob's Burgers. They're named Bento Box. The show I was working on was Brickleberry. Um, it went for three seasons and then canceled. And they said, we, we want you here, but we don't have a show currently. Would you mind going out to Atlanta? We are opening up a studio in Atlanta. And uh, just show them how we do stuff. At the time, getting all the animation together, we'd send it off to uh, like South Korea or the Philippines and they would animate for us and send it back and we do little tweaks to it. So that was the pipeline of animation. We, we wrote it here. We, um, we're not here, Los Angeles, storyboard it and send it out to them with all the designs and they'd put it all together, send it back and we'd fix it. My studio wanted to have a inside the U.S. animation house that did the same thing. And so Atlanta is a really was a really big and upcoming film place, and it, it still is. And so we started a studio out there. Um, went there for about a year and a half and helped them get everything running, do all of our software, all that fun stuff. In the time, I met up with a friend from uh, high school who was living in Mississippi, which is about five hours away. Uh, we went to senior prom together. But as friends, and when we met up again, we started dating. And so like weekends, we'd drive that five hours between Oxford, Mississippi and Atlanta, Georgia. Eventually she moved to uh, Atlanta for a year. And then we're like, we want to come back home and, and be close to our family. So moved to Kansas City for three years and then 
moved back to Maryville. That's quite a journey. It was. It's like the whole circle. <laughs> now, how you got that job at Bento Box, that, it's kind of an interesting story about how you actually got it. Do you want to tell that story? Um, I'm, I'm going through this with my students here about uh, they talk. I mean, they know all the principles of design and they're great designers, but just learning the software should really be its own class. In Columbia College, I took a class in Toon Boom Harmony was the uh, software that we used to animate. Um, and actually got me both my animation jobs out there. Had it on my resume. I was working in reality TV show as a production assistant and then moved up to like an office coordinator, which you just sit there all day while they film and, and call and like uh, book travel and, and stuff like that. And my first job was at uh, Duck Studios. It's a little commercial place. Um, and they saw I had Toon Boom Harmony on there. And like, oh, do you know this program? I'm like, oh, yeah, I had a class in it. And, and like, that's what we're using. And so got the job there. They didn't have consistent work and they're gone now. So I'd work for a little bit and then I'd get laid off and they'd bring me back like a couple of weeks later, laid off. And so that ebb and flow, I was looking for something more, you know, permanent. A friend of a friend who went to college together at uh, Indiana uh, was living out there and she worked for Cartoon Network and knew a job opening at Bento Box, uh, this kind of new studio that was coming along. And the people from Bento Box all came from uh, like The Simpsons and King of the Hill. And uh, they decided to start their own studio. Just needed somebody to get them up and going and know the programs. And so I got an interview with them and I, I was super excited. I wanted to be on Bob's. Bob's had just started and what show did he do before? Lauren, um, Home Movies. If you've ever seen Home Movies, uh, the creator of Bob's Burgers created Home Movies. And I love that show. And this was a new one. Uh, so I interviewed. And with all my interviews, if I think I did well, I, I didn't. <laughs> I never get it if I think I did well. And so this, I, I walked out of there and I was like, uh, well, it was fun to do it. But, you know, never see him again. And they called me the same day and said, we're starting up this new show and would really love you to come in and help do the production management side of it. And so um, that's how I got that. It was education, <laughs> weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you say you were, you were simply a production assistant on the reality shows and we kind of hopped over that, but any interesting reality shows, any, any interesting reality show stories? You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have any credentials to be a production assistant. They just want really bodies and somebody who is not going to wreck their truck driving from set to set. And so um, moving out there, I had a couple of friends already living there. One of them was working in reality TV on a show called Moochers. Uh, this show never aired. They took kids who were just mooching off their parents, like didn't have a job, but they're always wanting the newest phone and computer and everything and put them in real jobs. And some of these jobs were like, there's a diaper factory for like cloth diapers where they send them in and then clean them and send them back. Horrible. It sounds horrible. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd want to do that job. <laughs> they took them like to the docks in LA and had them unload stuff and like really hardworking jobs. And then the whole path was to, you know, show them that hard work is worth it. And then at the end, they like give their mom a makeover, whoever they've been taken from. It was You'd get there early, early in the morning, six or seven, and work till, I don't know, 11 midnight because you are the first in and last out. You have to make sure all the stuff is there and 
set up for lunch and clean up after lunch. And it just a lot of work. I really wish that would have aired because it was kind of a fun show. But um, after that, I moved to, I don't even remember. I moved to pros versus Joe's season two, I think. Well, they took regular people and then professional athletes and put them against each other. Yeah. My husband was a big fan of that one. It was fun. It was fun to be there. Randall Cunningham. I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan (laughs) and Randall Cunningham was there who was a quarterback for the Eagles in 1991 to like 89 to 93 or something, but he didn't come out on set. And so I was really sad. I didn't get to see him, but I got to see like Roy Jones Jr. And um, pick up um, the UFC star. I'm blanking now. Now I can't remember, but picked him up from the airport and got to see kind of cool people Uh, from there. uh, Design star season three, which was in Vegas. So I was in a hotel in Las Vegas uh, for six weeks and I was the office coordinator. So I didn't get to go out on set or anything. So I just sat in that office for six weeks and it was get up at six and go to bed at midnight and and do that. Uh, The last week was in Hawaii. So they flew us all out to Hawaii for a week and that was awesome. And everything was kind of set by then. So I could go around and see Hawaii a little bit. And yeah, that was all the reality TV. interesting story. I mean, just the people you meet who move out there to be directors, to be writers, they all kind of start in the same production assistant. And so when they were filming and all we had to do was stand there and make sure nobody walks behind them uh, in the shot, we talk about, you know, our dreams. And I know I was animation and there are a few writers and I just, everybody just talking about what they wanted to do. And it was, it was really a, a cool spot to be in, even though it wasn't the coolest spot to be in, if that makes sense. Everything's kind of relative. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fast forward to moving back to Maryville. Can you talk about like in your, in a career, those of us who've been in a career for a while or have hopped around or have changed jobs or have changed industries or different things, like what were some of the considerations, you know, maybe being close to family like, talk me through the decision process that you made and, and how you found the graphic designer job. After I left Atlanta and moving back to Kansas City, I knew there wasn't really animation jobs here. I mean, I bet you can find them, but they're very, very specific. And so um, during working at Bento Box, I designed a lot of flyers, T-shirts. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money as a production. And so, uh, I, I mean... I wasn't supposed to, but I even animated stuff. I mean, for the guild and everything that's, that's wrong. But uh, when stuff came back and they're like, we just need a little fixes and stuff. And so I always had a background in, in designing things, flyers for Comic-Con posters, t-shirt, I mean, all that stuff. And so moving back to Kansas city, uh, I knew I could maybe find like a starting graphic design job. And so that's what I started looking for. And at the time, it did feel like I was stepping back just a little bit. And it would be ideal in anybody's career just to keep moving forward always and have the same path. But sometimes you got to step back and get like a starting graphic design job and show what you're made of to move forward. I worked for a restaurant company there that has 11 restaurants or something. I designed all their marketing, all their posters, uh, updated their website, uh, another skill that I've found in there is uh, that I found has helped me along the way is just learning stuff on the fly. They're like, do you do websites? And I'm like, absolutely. And so I would sit and learn code at night and 
I mean, I, I couldn't build you a whole website right now, but if, if you let me into the website, I can probably figure out how to fix what you want fixed or upload a new picture or something. So stuff like that. Um, COVID really shut those guys down. They fired like everybody. I mean, well laid off because they, nobody was coming in to eat. And so from there, um, was trying to figure out what my next step would be. And, uh, so I started my own little freelance graphic design business and my wife's mom lives here and my sister lives here. And, um, we just kind of threw around the idea, Hey, what if we just go back to Maryville and while you're working on freelance and my wife could work remotely. And so we're like, yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of, I don't know, let's just go, let's do it. And so we'll talk and, and a little seed will start in our minds. And then two months later, now we're living in Mississippi or Atlanta or whatever. And so that's how we got back to Maryville. I always wanted to work uh, at Northwest. I didn't go to Northwest, but it was the school during high school that everybody was going to. And I mean, it was just a cool place. I knew all about the buildings and everything, people that worked here. And so when a job came up for graphic designer, I applied right away. Very nervous, of course. I was like, I don't even know if I can get this. And and just fate had it that I got here. So I was super jazzed. And now you get to use all that awesome experience to help your students. And, you know, you have a Absolutely. unique perspective of professional experience that I'm sure no other candidate had anywhere close to. So, you know, it's all kind of, it's all worked out. That's the one thing throughout the course of the podcast in the last three seasons, we found that nobody's career path is what they expect it to be, but it mm. all kind of... It all plays into the next thing. So absolutely agree wholeheartedly with that. Let's go back to, you talked about sometimes having to take a step back and I think that's really difficult. So it's difficult when you're young, I think sometimes to think that you might have to take a step back at some point in your career. I had to do that a few times (laughs) myself. So what was going through your mind when you're thinking like, I have to take this step back, like, what did you do to kind of mentally be like, all right, I'm here, but I know like I can just keep moving forward. I don't know. Mentally. I don't know. It's just what I had to do. And a lot of people I think would get hung up on, you know, this was my title here and I need to have this or better. And it's not always that way. Um, Kind of my weird analogy is if you're trying to turn left onto a busy street, instead go around the block and turn right or whatever that going around the block takes you an extra 30 seconds, but it seems out of your way, but then you'll be in a better spot later. So it was kind of that. I just knew that graphic design is, is a huge industry. There are jobs all over the U S all over the world. And so I was like, this would be something that I'm passionate about that to get into and then have the flexibility to work at many different places and many different industries and, and see a lot of cool stuff. So I went around the block. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that actually. And you've also been involved some community stuff too. So like you, your freelance graphic design, you've done some stuff that people who are familiar with Maryville would recognize. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? It's weird moving back to your hometown after, I don't know, 11, 12 years. And then realizing how many people, you know, and you're like, hi, I'm Brian. Then like, oh yeah, we had English together. And I was like, oh yeah, there was a brewery opening here, which everybody might know, might not know, uh, Black Pony Brewery. They were looking to brand and just do something kind of fun. 
I get pulled into fun things a lot because of animation. I don't know if I'm actually fun though, but they're like, okay, you kind of have cartoony experience and we'd like you to design a couple logos for us. And so we went through the whole logo designing process and came up on one. And that's the logo that's up on the building, which was really cool and fun to do. They have really awesome merchandise on their website too, that all features that logo. Yeah, I know that logo's everywhere. And I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've done stuff for uh, St. Francis Foundation, uh, stuff that's not as in your face, just like designing letters and designing invitations for them. There's other stuff around town that I've done, I know, but I'm blanking on it. Also, maybe you can help us out. We have a lot of students, you know, maybe they're mass media, maybe they're art, graphic design, who have questions about portfolios. What is your thought surrounding portfolios or having a portfolio or how you should present that? I am very digital. So it used to be you had to print out like your 10 best pieces or your 12 best pieces and then buy these huge books to put them in, which is fine if you're just buying one. But if you're applying to, you know, five jobs, 10 jobs, you have to buy 10 of those because uh, you rarely get them back. Um, and it was just a lot of work. Definitely have a digital portfolio. There's some free ones out there that are like Behance with Adobe has one. There's a lot of free stuff that you can utilize that people don't really realize. But the whole portfolio, I mean, initially is terrifying. <laughs> it's you putting your work out there and based on that work, you're getting a job. And so, of course, any, any artist, you know, kind of looks at their stuff and it's like, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever been designed. And we all say that to everything. There are still some places out there that need a printed portfolio. So um, don't get rid of everything. Print them out off your digital portfolio. But, and this is hard to say too, and I, I tell this to some of my friends uh, who are writers, is get your stuff out there. You just have to put it out there. This is what I did and see how it goes and then change from there or make something better or, you know. Yeah. You can, you, you iterate based on that feedback a little bit, right? Yeah. Which we learned in art school too. The critique was all of it. I mean, you can sit and draw by yourself all day, which I love to do, but then getting your stuff out there is, is you really need to do that to move forward. That is a key point in any creative endeavor. And you're right. Writing across disciplines is very similar to that visual art aspect. Writing, visual art, um, theater, singing, music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if nobody sees you and if that's the way you want it, that's fun too. But to get the jobs and move forward in your career, you have to put your stuff out there. If I'm a graphic design student and I'm getting ready to go out into the world for the first time, what are some tips or advice you'd give me? You definitely need a resume. You definitely need a cover letter. Those don't need to be designed to the nines. This is just basic information. I just want to say thank you. We try to explain that, but everybody everybody wants to design their resume, even if they're not a graphic designer. Like it's very, they get very excited about this design. And use all the colors on it. And then what you don't always realize is that when you apply somewhere, they'll print them out and all the color that you used just turns into a blob of black and white and you can't really read it. And, and so resume and, and cover letter, you kind of have to stick more traditional, uh, just get out and apply for stuff. You can find stuff. I mean, everywhere indeed I've looked a lot. LinkedIn is, is great. And even you can link your portfolio on LinkedIn, 
but you can put your resume and everything in there. And sometimes you can just apply with, you know, a click, which is way easier than uh, having to go out and print everything and mail it to them or drop it by. Always be grateful. You're not going to get every job. I mean, if you do, congrats and, <laughs> and, and I love you, but you know, just be grateful for the interview and, and thank them and then send a email thanking them again. And it, the, it will fall where it falls and go out and apply for another one. That's the Todd exactly. Weddle school of job applications. Yeah. Right? You may not be the first choice, but when the first choice quits, you might be right there waiting in the wings. That's true. Dependable is way better than the best. So this is the completely opposite direction, but you mentioned, you know, getting into animation because you loved animation. So what are some of the things that you really like with that? I'm, I'm also someone who enjoys that. So what, what are some of the things that inspired you to want to do it or things that you enjoy? I used to fake staying home from church because I was sick to watch Ren and Stimpy because it was on at 1030. And that's when we had to be at church. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't go. I'm so sick. Ren and Stimpy, um, Simpsons, of course. I, I love those. I watched The Simpsons started on Tracy Ullman, which was like a sketch show. But then little bumpers before commercials, they'd show animated Simpsons. And it was based off a book that I actually bought the book um, School's Hell by Matt Groening here in Maryville. There was a bookshop on the corner of, I think it's where the pocket park was. I'm not totally for sure about that. Yeah, it was right next to it. Yeah, I was right next to it. Okay. And I bought that book there on a eighth grade field trip and no, sixth grade field trip. And that started love of, you know, the drawings. And when I heard Matt Groening was making these little animated things on the Tracy Ullman show, I would watch the Tracy Ullman show just to see those. And it was more... It wasn't adult humor, but it wasn't, I mean, not like adult gross. It was more like adult grown up. And so to sit there and see your fourth grader watching the Tracy Ullman show by himself, they're like, what's, <laughs> why <laughs> are you getting this humor? And no, not at all. It was for the Simpsons. Some of my new favorite shows, MTV had a thing called Liquid Television, which was just a bunch of short animated things back to back. And when they got rid of that, I, I love that format. I love the format of the Simpsons uh, horror uh, Halloween shows because it was like small stories all put together. Uh, FX now has a show called Cake that they're kind of doing that too. What I Final Space, um, Rick and Morty, there's a lot coming out. And I've been reading that they're, they're calling it adult animation, which I was at a dinner party in the South. And they said, what do you do? And I said, adult animation. And everybody's face like a drop. Had to go to the fainting couch. Yeah. <laughs> there were a bunch of swoons. And <laughs> my uh, wife said, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's animation for adult people. Not, <laughs> not what you're thinking. <laughs> not X-rated. Yeah, not X-rated. Yeah. <laughs> and um, read an article that there is so much animation coming out for adults now. I mean, there was like 140 more shows slated than ever before. And so as a kid, there's a lot of great stuff. Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon has a lot of great stuff. But as, as I grow an adult and want more, you know, risque animation, but, you know, something that speaks to me, 
Um, they're making a lot of that now, which is, is Rick and Morty and a lot of the stuff on Adult Swim cakes that way too because we are now the adults and we grew up with animation right Mm -hmm. i mean exactly yeah it makes me sad that all the kids shows are going 3d like you know all the disney movies are 3d now and the nickelodeon shows have gone to 3d and it's like the beautiful hand-drawn 2d animation that we all remember is really now made for us nostalgia you know it's pushing the nostalgia buttons it's not necessarily for the kids and that's sad so i have a 16 year old daughter and when she was watching those shows, it was right in the transition of going from beautiful hand-drawn 2D to looks like 90s reboot Canadian 3D animation that's not great. <laughs> so, oh, I will say one of mine really loves the old Disney, like the early pencil sort of animation, you know, where Often it's the, 50s. yeah, where he's in there. Like, they're like, what is that mom? I'm like snuff. <laughs> you know what snuff is um but she oh, really yeah. loves like the real old school like walt disney she watched that at any day over over the fancy stuff so snow white uh and the seven doors so that what 1930 1940 yeah that's a long time ago and it's it's beautiful all that's hand-drawn and hand-painted and they had this he built this camera that was like two stories tall where this camera face down through the animation and all the animation are on plates. That's how they used to film it. And it only used to be, if you can see my hands, like one plate with a camera over top. And uh, Walt Disney came up with the, the multi-plane. And so he could move the different plates at different times with different drawings as you go down and could get these like, I mean, if you look at Bambi and look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, as, as you pan in and see all the things moving, it, it was really cool things that he did to further animation in that way and beautiful i mean a lot of work to do all of that i briefly worked on cells which are the transparent sheets so you draw on paper first you lay the cell cell over top and on the front you ink the outline and then you turn it over and then paint it backwards so the ink lines would be on top as you're shooting and then the paints underneath covering up so you don't have to get exactly on the lines with the paint because your nice line work covers it. And they did that frame by frame and best case it's, Disney did a lot of, of one frame um, drawings. Usually you can cheat it by holding a frame for holding a shot for two frames and the animation still goes smooth. But if you ever do like a camera move or anything, having one frame drawings makes it just really smooth. And uh, Disney had the people to do that. And, it was beautiful. Real intersection of like art and art and work, right? Art I mean, that's kind of a beautiful, yeah, like a beautiful kind of intersection there. Mm-hmm. Well, and it took armies of people to make those movies too. Mm-hmm. You know, you see pictures behind the scenes of like Snow White and stuff like that. And there's like 60 people sitting at drawing tables doing the animation. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Now they make shows, you know, like Bob's Burgers with probably five or six, you know, way fewer people. Maybe not five That'd be six, nice. Way no, fewer five people. Six, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that, they had sheets too that were Excel sheets pretty much printed out called exposure sheets that would go down in in levels. And so whatever drawings on top, next drawing, next drawing, next drawing, back to the background, frame by frame. And so you get the X sheets and follow the camera and make the camera do what it all says. That is what we learned starting at in school, but then that all translated to the program. The program had different sections in it called X sheets and, you know, multi-planing and everything. And all the words were used from that old 
having a, a real huge film camera over like drawn cells and that's also very interesting yeah. yeah to be able then to take it though thinking through like how you understand it from that that very first technology and then how you're using it as a program right sometimes as a student if you don't understand the back end of the process or how it was developed it's it's not as easy you can kind of understand that initial process and then that carries mm-hmm. you through the the understanding the software at a completely different level absolutely yeah and then weird X sheet. What does that mean? It's exposure sheet, but you're not exposing anything in digital. It's you drew it on there and it's there, but the exposure was actually clicking the camera once and exposing one frame of film. And there's just weird names that like, where do these come from? Well, it's just like you mentioned in film school, you start with the crank camera with no sound and then you work your way up to, you know, you kind of work through the history of the industry to learn how it's done. I was, I studied radio here at Northwest and we did the same thing. You know, we, cut reel to reel tape with a razor blade and taped it together. And then we did digital and then we did advanced digital. So you kind of learn, you go through the history of the industry, but you also kind of learn how the craft has evolved so that you know what you're doing now, how it ties back to what they did then. So that's, and I don't know if they still do that in a lot of places. So it's cool to learn that oh, way. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and when you get a job, you're not always going to work with people your age. There's going to be people who've been in the industry forever that use those cameras and know all that terminology. And so, they say, hey, you just started. Could you adjust the X sheet? And you're like, oh, I know what that means now. I was in biology. We did the opposite. We took our little animals and we cut them open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find out how they work. I deconstruct, <laughs> not reconstruct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. This has been awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I learned a lot today. Well, good. <laughs> but yes, thank you. <laughs> that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.